to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. There's a conditioning that's going on, and it's all in preparation for the fulfillment. Remember, the book of Revelation is about the future. Everything we're reading today is about the future. But, of course, before we get there in the total sense, there's obviously going to be a conditioning for it. And as we look around the world, we see that the world is indeed being conditioned for these very things that it tells us. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Revelation. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, in a message titled, The Woman and the Dragon. Now, here's Pastor Brian. For those of you that don't know, the Nuremberg trial was the trials of the remaining Nazi leaders. They were tried after the war was finished and they were sentenced and so forth. But in his opening statement, the prosecution there at the trial, Justice Robert Jackson, he said this. He said, history does not record a crime perpetrated against so many victims or ever carried out with such calculated cruelty. So he said, there's nothing like this in history. And he was right. Nothing like this in history. Now, here's my, my point. I have a few points, but one of the main points that I want us to, to understand today is that this thing that we're talking about, this, this persecution of the Jewish people throughout history the biblical explanation for this is that the dragon has been at war with the woman from the beginning, trying to destroy the woman and ultimately thwart the plan and purpose of God. That, I think, is, is really, in the end, the only satisfactory explanation for this unique experience of the Jewish people. Now... This isn't over. It isn't over. And that's, that's the thing that's, of course, tragic and frightening. But the dragon will make one final attempt to destroy the woman. And that's what this chapter is telling us about. And look with me just real quickly at verses 13 and 17. Verse 13 says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Then verse 17, and the dragon was enraged with the woman and went to make war with the rest of her offspring. Now, for our purposes here right now, we're just we're gonna concentrate on the woman as the nation collectively. As we get into our chapter study, we'll get into more of the details here and a little more clarity on the woman in certain places here being a reference to the believing remnant, but like I said, for our purposes, we want to look at the, the long war against Israel that is being waged by Satan. And here's another question. Is there anything happening in our world today that could lead us to believe that Satan is still attempting to destroy the woman and thwart the reign of the male child his, who is to rule all nations? So is all of this stuff we're talking about, is this just history past? Or 
Is there anything currently happening that would lead us to believe that this war still goes on and it still has its climactic moments in the future? And I think just in looking at the current situation around the world and the current mentality that exists and is, and is growing toward Jews worldwide, I, I think we're, we're gonna have to conclude that the dragon is still very much at war with the woman. So what I wanna do is I just wanna go through some, some current information. All of this is, is up to date and it has to do with anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is a way of referring to this prejudice against the Jewish people. Now, once again, let me just clarify, don't get sidetracked with, well, what about all the other groups of people that are being persecuted? How come you're just talking about the Jews and all of that? We're, that's, that's not our uh, objective today. My, my objective is to show the, the truth of what the Bible is saying about Satan's war against Israel. And I, I want to show you that the only way to understand history is to understand it from the perspective of the scriptures. That's, that's the only way to really be able to understand why things have been the way they've been for Israel and the way, why they are as they are today. So now, of course, the whole Holocaust and all of that, it, it all, you know, it, it originated in Germany. But this is, like he said, it's not just a German phenomenon. Many Jews are leaving France today. They're, they're feeling like they're being driven out of France. So this is happening uh, across Europe. I was with some friends yesterday from Holland, from the Amsterdam area. And just in conversation, they were telling me about uh, how Jewish people right now in Holland are feeling so unsafe that they don't want to reveal their Jewish identity. So this anti-Semitism that you would have thought was purged after the Holocaust. And as a matter of fact, for many years in Germany, if you expressed openly anti-Semitism, anti, anti you, you could be prosecuted. If you denied the Holocaust, like some people have done, uh, that was a, a, a crime in Germany. But all of those things are, are rapidly changing. And so we, we just see like a, an increasing anti-Jewish sentiment that's developing around the world. But I don't think it's seen at least in policy, I don't think it's seen any more clearly anywhere than in the United Nations. It is absolutely astounding, the, the position of the UN on the nation of Israel. It is inconceivable the way Israel is viewed in the UN. And I just wanna give you some examples here. So Robert Wistrich, he's of the Vidal Sassoon International Center for the Study of Antisemitism, he said, the deplorable combination of discrimination, delegitimization, and double standards at the United Nations has in recent decades been a lethal source of globalized anti-Semitism. If the double standard of treating Israel profoundly differently than other UN members isn't anti-Semitism, then consider the following. So the UN has this very blatant bias against the nation of Israel, but they say, oh no, there, there's no bias here. There's no double standard. We're just trying to be fair. That's usually what they say in response. But consider these things. The UN Human Rights Council 
Israel is the only nation in the world that has a standing agenda item against it at every session of the UN Human Rights Council. So think about that. It's not North Korea or China or Pakistan or Syria or Sudan or Iran. The council has never condemned any of those nations for violation of human rights. But they regularly condemn Israel for violations of human rights. I mean, that, that, is, that in and of itself is just almost inconceivable. From 2006 to 2013, Israel has been subjected to 45 condemnation resolutions. No other nation in the world has come close to that. In resolutions from 1947 to 91, there were 300 General Assembly resolutions against Israel. In 2012, there were 22 resolutions specifically against Israel, while there were only four for the rest of the whole world combined. So I, you'd have to be absolutely blind to miss the bias here. So the UN Security Council, that's where the power lies. Israel is the only member state that has not and cannot serve on the Security Council. From 1948 to 2010, there were 77 resolutions directly aimed at Israel. No other nation on earth even comes close to this record of infamy. Um, Israel is excluded from uh, regional groups. Israel is the only UN member excluded from membership in its own regional group in the Middle East and Asia. The UN's Durban conference, is a conference that takes place in Durban, South Africa, uh, a conference on racism. The three UN Durban conferences on racism has found racism in only one of the 192 nations of the UN. Guess which nation it is? It's Israel. So 192 nations make up the United Nations and there's only one that's guilty of racism and that's Israel. I mean, if, you know, again, it's, it's just inconceivable. One more reference to this here. The UN has a, a track record for ignoring and not acting against the worst nations in the world, who, who the nations uh, worst in the sense of violating human rights. Anne Bayevsky, a senior fellow with the Hudson Institute said, there has never been a single resolution about the decades-long repression of civil and political rights of the 1.3 billion people in China. Every year, UN bodies are required to produce at least 25 reports on alleged human rights violations by Israel, but not one on the Iranian criminal justice system, which mandates punishments like crucifixion, stoning, and cross amputation. Finally, she says, this is demonization of the Jewish state. So what's the point? The point is this hostility that we have seen historically is still very much alive and well and growing presently in the world today. It's all an indication of the long war between the dragon and the woman, between the devil and Israel. That's what's happening here. And when you look at this history, when you go back all the way to the beginning of the, the history of the nation, you wanna go back to Abraham or you wanna go back to the time of Moses, and you follow the history all the way through, like I said, the only way, to, I think, to really understand what's happened, how is it that this one group of people has been so 
hated and so consistently persecuted. It, it, it's something you, at, at a certain point, you have to realize this is beyond human explanation. It is beyond human explanation. The explanation is there is a devil. And that's what's happening behind the scenes. Back in the time of the Second World War, there was a well-known philosopher in England. And he was a well-known atheistic philosopher. He was a social commentator. You know, he talked about everything that was happening in the world at his time. And he shocked everybody when he came out as a person who had transitioned during the second the period of the Second World War in watching the, the things that transpired. You know, it's funny because many people would look at something like that and say, well, that's why I don't believe in God. He watched it and he went from atheism to believing in God. And this is how he did. It, this, is, this is how he did it. This is how he transitioned. He said, when I saw all that had happened with Hitler and the Nazis and the war and the Holocaust and all of that, he said, I knew that this kind of evil could not originate in man. There must really be a devil. That was his first stop. It was at the devil. His first stop on the road to, to believing in God was belief in the devil. And once he believed in the devil, then obviously if there's a devil, there must be a God. So that's how he came to believe. And he publicly announced, I don't know that he ever became a Christian in the biblical sense, but he publicly announced that he had moved away from atheism and that he had come to believe in God because you could only understand the events that transpired if there was a devil. And that's indeed what we see with these things. The explanation for these things is the devil. And... We have to be aware of that. We have to be conscious of that as we see the stuff happening around us. And as sometimes we might be tempted to get sucked up into a certain mentality. And again, just remember, we're not, you know, this isn't a pro-Israel in the sense that, you know, the Israeli government is perfect. It's wonderful. It never does anything wrong. We're just one. We're not, I'm not saying anything like that. Of course, it's a human government full of sinners and it's got all kinds of problems, just like every other government does. What I want us to see is the long war of the devil against the woman and ultimately against the child. So here's a question as we come to our conclusion. What is Satan's end game? That's the question. What, what, it, what is, what's the objective? Now, you, you can understand the devil's objective in the, the first part of the history of the nation in trying to stop the Messiah from coming into the world. You can understand that. that that's fairly easy. Okay, he tried to wipe out the nation. He tried to corrupt the nation. He tried to just have the nation assimilated into other nations and lose its distinction. He's trying to prevent the Messiah from coming into the world, but he fails. But now that the Messiah has come, why, why does he still carry on his war against the woman? And this is why. Because now his end game is to prevent Christ from sitting upon the throne of David and ruling over the house of Jacob because that's the fulfillment of all of those promises. 
You see, we are focusing on, and rightfully, we're focusing on the gospel. We're focusing on the first coming of Christ and his death for our sins and his resurrection from the dead. And that's exactly where we do need to be focused, but we can't stop there completely. We've got to remember that all of those things were foundational for what's coming in the future because the majority of Bible prophecy doesn't speak about what happened at Calvary and at the tomb. The majority of Bible prophecy speaks about what's gonna happen in the future. And the future is that Jesus the king of Israel, the son of David, is gonna sit on the Davidic throne as God promised to David that there would be one of his descendants that would sit upon his throne forever. And it seems, although I don't really know the mind of the devil, I'm just kind of trying to think about why he would do what he's doing. It seems to me that in his twisted mind, he feels that if he can wipe out the seed if he can wipe out the house of Jacob, the Messiah has no one to reign over. The Davidic throne can never be established. And of course, the objective of the devil, as we're gonna see as we go on further in the book, is he, he wants to be the one on the throne. That's been his whole desire from the very beginning. And that's what's gonna happen during this period of time that we're looking at. He's gonna have a very short reign. But it seems to me like that's, what's driving all of this, but here's the great and wonderful news. He is doomed to fail. He is doomed to fail. There's no way that he will succeed. And you know, another one of the most perplexing things to people in the world is not only the persecution of the Jews through all of history, but their continued existence their continued resilience, their continued ability to go on despite all of these efforts. That's another perplexing thing. And the answer to that is God is sustaining them. And in the end, here's what will happen. The dragon will be defeated. The woman will be saved. And the true king of Israel in the universe will sit up on his throne and he will rule the nations with a scepter of iron, just as we're told here. So what do, what do we want to take away from today? You know, I struggled with um, <laughs> the application for the message today. I told Cheryl and others, I felt like today's more like, you know, it's kind of like a, a classroom lecture. How do you go from a classroom lecture to application? But here's the application, I think, for us today. Number one, what we need to take away from this is the truth of the, of the Bible. The Bible is true. God's word is true. History is just like the Bible said it would be. And remember, these things were prophesied 2,000 years ago, at least. These things right here were, but of course, the other prophecies go back even further. So the world is just the way God's word said it would be. The history of the nation of Israel is just the way God said it would be. The attitude of the nations is just the way God said it would be. So for us who believe in the scripture, we can take home today that we can trust this book completely. And everything that it says is true. This is reality and everything that opposes it and contradicts it is not reality. And it's not going to stand in the long run. So we have that solid rock of the truth of God's word to stand upon. But we also wanna take away from it 
that as we see these things happening around us, and we've looked at this a number of times, right? As we see these things happening around us, they're all preparatory. The, the world is, there's a conditioning that's going on. And it's all in preparation for the fulfillment. Remember, the book of Revelation is about the future. Everything we're reading today is about the future. But of course, before we get there in the, in, in the total sense, there's obviously going to be a preparation for it. There's going to be a conditioning for it. And as we look around the world, we see that the world is indeed being conditioned for these very things that it tells us here. But also finally, the application for us is that we have uh, a job to do. We have work to do until the Lord comes. And that is the work of the gospel. We have to get the gospel out. We have the work of discipleship, making disciples. We have the work of seeing the kingdom advanced. And so as we look at these things happening, we're not to just sort of, you know, look at them and, and think about them and then say, well, oh, that's all very interesting. Wow. No, we're supposed to look at them, think about them and say, man, we still have an opportunity and God is still at work. And one of the things that is exciting and encouraging is that amongst believers in Israel today, there is the sense that there's more openness to the gospel today in Israel than there's ever been in the past. That there, there's more of a willingness to consider on the part of Jewish people the possibility of Jesus being the Messiah than there has ever been before. And so, you know, this is a time. There's, there's a, an opportunity before us. And so whether it's with, with Jews, whether it's with Gentiles, you know, whoever it is, wherever it is, it's time for us to be going forward without distraction for the advancement of the kingdom, knowing that ultimately Christ will come and he will establish that kingdom. Just as he said on that first Palm Sunday, you remember Jesus entered Jerusalem on the donkey. They hailed Hosanna, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus went into the temple but he wasn't received by the leaders. He was rejected. And as he left, he said this. He said, your house is left to you desolate and you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that has indeed been the case throughout the history of the nation. But there's coming a time when they will see him again there's coming a time when they will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As Jesus comes to rescue Israel, to save the woman from the dragon and to set up that throne that was promised to him. And so that's where things are headed. And it's all in one sense, it's in God's hands. We can't change the larger events that are going to bring this about. But what we can do is keep our focus on the mission. And the mission is to get the gospel to as many people as we can with the time left that we have.
For the month of July, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity by Nick Cady. How can we believe in a God who allows good people to die and let bad people live? How can we believe in a God who allows children to be abused without any earthly consequences? And if God is so good and loving, then why do bad things happen? Questions just like these are just some of the barriers that keep people from embracing Christianity. Maybe one of these questions is exactly what keeps you from embracing Christianity. Well, in his book, The God I Won't Believe In, Nick Cady addresses these and other topics that are hindering many today. If you want to challenge some of the most common barriers to Christianity in today's culture or face the barriers on your own, this book will help you understand what the Bible says about these and other topics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order The God I Won't Believe In by Nick Cady. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Revelation. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.